anything's possible though, because you know Bitcoin is money. So you know, money talk, man. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, powered by Coin Telegraph. What began as a small experiment is now a rapidly expanding ecosystem. As citizens of the internet, we expect to be able to send money over the internet as quickly and cheaply as sending an email. As citizens of the internet, we demand transparency. Here, we talk about Bitcoin, Ethereum, blockchain industries, fintech, and more. But we're not experts. We're just three guys in the Bitcoin community. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Hey, everybody. Welcome hey. to the Bitcoin. Whoa. <laughs> you want to fun with them? Huh? You want What's me up? to go? You want me no, to go? I was intent. Hey, everybody. Welcome hey, to the Bitcoin. Hey, everybody. I'm fucking with you. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to stop. That was bad. All right. Intent. Jesus. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 82. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. How are you guys? Where's Corey? Yeah, Corey's not here today. He's, he's still traveling from Brazil to uh, the U.S. I think he's in Texas with us, but uh, not near where we are. So, yeah, man. Welcome back to the States, Corey. Welcome back yeah. when you hear this. Well, yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. He didn't update us. He didn't tell us anything. He did. Um, here and there. It's hard, man. When you when you're traveling internationally, it's a lot different than traveling domestically. So yeah. he had a lot of shit to take care of. And he has two dogs and a cat. And there's different regulations for cats because everyone knows they're evil. Yeah, so, cats suck. Yeah. I would have left that cat in Brazil. Yeah. I would have punted it off a bridge. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a bit much. Isn't um, that what Jack Black did to that dog in Anchorman? Yeah. Hey, man. You hit my fucking ride. Anyway, yo, we got to get to the, um, we got to pay the bills. All we right. Do that. Episode 82 brought to you. 82 brought to you. Eskimo Bits. It's fast, it's super easy, and it only takes three steps. Damn. What are those steps? Go ahead. I like that. If you can Bwah. give me some five music the entire time, that'd be cool. I'm going to do the Inception Boaz this time. Go for it. Keep going. All right. Just register and deposit your Bitcoin. Bwah. Seller ships the item. Buyer Bwah. checks the goods. And releases the funds. Bwah. And they also offer Bitcoin escrow with a locked exchange rate. So no matter where you are in the world, they got you covered. All right, Escrow My Bits was created to solve all the problems wrong with the type of escrow services currently around, and their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. So, Dimitri and I, we want there to no longer be any excuses on why not to use escrow. So, start that escrow process, go to their website, make sure you sign up for that newsletter, and stay up to date so you can escrow your shit. Escrow my bits. Or, you know, dot com. Oh, yeah. Dot com. All right. (laughs) We're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin, the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs. They are located in Houston, Fort Worth, Dallas. And you know how I'm always telling you how they have new locations? Well, I think they are in... Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So if you're in that area, boom, new Athena Bitcoin ATM. Uh, I think seven other U.S. cities. Just download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play for specific locations. And for more information, visit AthenaBitcoin.com. And we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, BitQuick.co. It is the secure, quick, and easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace where you can get Bitcoin for cash in as little as three hours. BitQuick has been serving Bitcoiners since 2013. So where there's a bank, 
there is BitQuick. And um, it's pretty cool because our guest today actually launched the second ATM in the world and the first bit access machine. So mm. full circle. Wait. Where there's a bank, there's BitQuick? Is that? Oh, I get it. Never mind. But moving on. Moving yep. on. Yep. So, what do you want to talk about, man? It's up to us, man. The world is our oyster. We talk about whatever the hell we want to. So, but, are we going to talk about how Narcos is coming back in a couple days? Season two of Narcos. Hell yeah. No, we can't talk about that stuff. We always get oh. way off topic when Corey's like, <laughs> we should at least talk about Bitcoin. What's going on in Bitcoin? What is going on in Bitcoin? The community is getting kind of rough. Yeah, man, it is getting kind of rough. I think people are losing their wherewithal. Bitcoin's definitely, I think in this world where, you know, I could talk to someone in China at the drop of a dime, you know, I can go on Amazon. There's one click purchase. I can, you know, I can basically type in something that I want to absorb and it comes to me in an instant. And that's just the way the world is now. So when something that's bona fide, bonafidely altering and paradigm shifting, like the potential is there, I don't think people have the patience, at least in this country, to wait for it to to bloom. You know what I mean? Um, like Bitcoin's what, only been around for two thousand. People say that. Right? People say that it's only been around. I mean, email when email. It didn't take email eight years to get popularized. You know, I feel like we're always going to say it's in its infancy until it clicks. I think now it should yeah. start. It should start clicking now. You think we should start putting timelines on this shit stuff? I think people are just tired of waiting. Like if you're yeah, into like we're not if waiting. you're into something, I mean if you're into something and you want it to like pop, if you want the bubble to pop. What is that limit? How long do people want to wait before they just get tired of waiting? Forever. I'll wait forever. These these aren't Jinko jeans, man. I'm not waiting for everyone to wear the same dress jeans as I am. You know, I'm waiting for everybody to get hip to spend in digital currency and it not be a part of their banking operations. And every time I use it with someone, when I finally get someone like, oh, this is big. This is how it works. This easy. I'm like, yeah, it's that easy. And guess what? Like 12 different people didn't just see that transaction that we made. So. Well, if a Bitcoin was going to fork, would you buy or sell? Would I buy or sell? Well, let's assume the hard fork announced for October 1st. Do you buy now so you have both? Bitcoin and Bitcoin Classic after the fork, or do you sell because it's likely both are going to they're going to go in the gutter? I'm buying. So you have both set of coins. Both set of coins, but I don't think it's going to work like as nastily as it did for Ethereum. I think a Bitcoin hard fork for hard fork a big (laughs) a Bitcoin hard fork is going to. be a lot quicker. I don't think it's going to be so split on which one has value. So and that was a nasticus, by the way. I oh, yeah. I did double down when Ethereum split, dude. I sold that Ethereum classic shit so fast. I was like, what? <laughs> sold. Can you buy forked coins after the fork? Uh, only if you're an idiot, I'd assume. <laughs> like, I want those coins that aren't going to work. Give them to me. The guy's like, what? I, don't uh, know. I like I like the fork idea, but then you know what I would do at this point is to preserve my coins because there's too many disappointments. There's too Just much money in Bitcoin. Too for, much money. Uh, a hard fork to do the same thing that it did in the Ethereum community. Uh, I, I think. Go ahead. I think like Bitcoin is cool, but like Classic was designed as an update. Like so is the DAO. So you know, and the blockchain technology is stemmed from it. I think we're going to get really cool technologies out of the origin of Bitcoin. I think you're right. I think 
you know that reoccurring theme that happens with our show where we keep saying that people will find things trustworthy that go on the block. They will find the blockchain trustworthy before they find Bitcoin trustworthy. Mm. Like it, it that theme first dropped around that episode with the guy from uh, what's that company called? Overstock. Yeah, with Judd. With Judd, Judd Bagley. And he said, you know, people are going to be putting t- land titles on the blockchain, um, different investments, different properties on the blockchain. It's going to secure all those assets. It's going to be really awesome. And then they're going to say, hey, why not money too? And then then the world will remind them uh, that was the first thing. And it's still going. And, mon- you know, Bitcoin's still around and it's, and, and it's there. You know, it's one of those long th- long plays. Mm-hmm. And I think the community is full of people that aren't used to the long play. So they can't see it. They can't be a part of it and endure with it. Yeah, if you and, can't see the big picture, it's hard to be a Bitcoiner because you have yeah. to. You got to see the big picture. You know, Corey and I got into uh, a uh, word match when I made my very bold claim that you know I don't want to bring that up. Well, Corey's not here to defend himself. We should do oh, that that's on the perfect a show. time. That's the perfect <laughs> time to bring it up. Should we say all kinds of stuff about Corey because he can't defend himself? <laughs> I lost my third bet against Corey. Dude, he's kicking your ass in bets. Here's the thing, though. He picked all the wrong people on the card, except for the one that we bet on. Mm. So if you're betting, man, go with Corey. Because Corey will beat you. He gets everything wrong except for the things he bets on. (laughs) So, yes, talk about Corey, why he's not here, please. (laughs) We should talk about wallets. Um, Like Jack's? Yeah, like Jax. Uh, well, how many people here know what a wallet is? That's I, impossible for me to know. I was like, how many people in the audience know? Let me see a show of hands. No, that's impossible. Um, how many wallets do you have, Cello? Um, you know what? I have a Ledger wallet and Coinbase. Keeping it simple, like it. I had a, um, I had a like a what was it, a bread wallet, and yep. uh, I've been hearing recommendations for mycelium, but I'm, I've been keeping it simple. I know you use Airbits. I got right? Airbits, bread wallet, Coinbase, Circle, Jacks, um, shit. I got Bitcoin Core. On my computer that I never use because of the pornography. Let's just be honest. Like you don't keep a wall, you don't keep a lot of money on the same computer that you use for adult stuff. Because Wait, so you, have, you have a porn computer and a regular computer. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't seem. It seems that way. Yes, but just make a folder desktop. on your desktop called taxes. 2007 <laughs> and nobody will ever know <laughs> it's just right hiding in plain sight no it's not that i have a porn computer it's that i've used that computer for porn so i don't want the porn to pornographize my bitcoin okay on, on that computer pornographize is a word by the way i hope you're looking it up I just didn't know that you 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 essentially have a, a porn computer. It's not a porn box. No, like it's not. But if you're if you're gonna look at porn, you will not use this computer. You will use that computer. Yes, because <laughs> it's already been tainted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. Inspiration of shame. I know you've logicked me into having a porn computer. You have a porn computer. I don't. Yeah, I do. Anyways, I have a lot of Let's talk about the computer that's not tainted. Tell us about... uh, Uh, I just do all kinds of stuff on it, like work stuff. No, not porn, though. So you have a work computer and a play computer. Yeah, and all of my play is porn. (laughs) (laughs) 
we we never talk about anything Bitcoin. We need to talk about one thing Bitcoin. So one thing just, that I did. It was just a sidetrack. We were talking about wallets. Um, yeah. With if you know if with air, I like Airbits. We we've had them on the show. With yeah. Airbits, keys are like auto encrypted with with uh, a strong hash of your password, and it's auto backed up. So if you lose your device, all you got to do is just you can enter your credentials on another phone, which is pretty cool. Yep, it happened to me. I got a new phone, and I was like, ah, oh, damn, my Airbits money is gone. And then, nope, recovered it. That's intense. Nope. But we're it's not great. talking about Airbix. We um we're talking about Jax. Yeah. And so, um so we got Jax on today. Uh I think the cool thing about them is the unified single screen experience. Yes. So you can have like Linux and Windows and Apple, Firefox, Chrome, iOS, Android, all that good stuff. So you're an Apple guy, I'm an Android guy, we can both use it. It's pretty mm-hmm. good pretty dope they're putting in work man you know what i like the most about the jacks wallet is i used this wallet a long time ago called hive it's still on my phone actually i just yeah. don't use it because i think they stopped working on it they stopped developing it but it could go from bitcoin to litecoin and at the time i was really into litecoin so i could just switch back and forth and yeah. but the thing is is that switch took forever because every time the app would like download a compact version of the blockchain for each chain, uh-huh. and it was annoying. Like, so if I hadn't opened the app in a while, it would just take a long time. But that's not Jax. No, siree. Jax no. is quick. Whenever I open up Jax, I you know open it up, go push the Ethereum button. It's like boom, ready to go, ready to spend, receive, manage. Any coin. I hope they add more coins. I think they're trying to combine with Shapeshift to be like the one-stop shop for any and all crypto. Yeah, we could throw that interview so people can learn more. Yeah, drop the introduction. Yeah, sure. Anthony DeOrio was a founding member of the team that built Ethereum. So anything he's associated with, um, you can can feel pretty confident. Uh, Long story short, uh, he uh, he comes on the show uh, and he talks about Jax's business model and what everyone is chomping on the bits for, the Dash integration. So uh, I think Corey rejoins us all of a sudden for this interview. Uh... <laughs> all right. We can get into it. Here it is. Cool. Uh, from what I see around the internet, people are saying really good things about uh, the Jack's wallet. So there was two things I wanted to ask you since you know people are kind of in panic mode due to the recent hack that resulted in millions of Bitcoin lost. If you could reassure them of the features and the usability of Jack's, and then two, give us your candid thoughts on the hack situation as a whole. Sure. So I've been around the space for quite a while, since 2012, and saw a lot of the, the issues with wallets back then. There was a wallet called InstaWallet uh, that a lot of people were using and uh, uh, it was basically a very easy frictionless wallet where you could go to a website and uh, you get a secret URL and from there you would uh, be able to set up multiple accounts and you could create uh, new tabs with new wallets. It was very simple and frictionless and, and they got hacked. And I started looking at their wallet and was thinking how could this be improved upon? I love the, the frictionless system without passwords and usernames and didn't like the fact that they were holding on to people's funds. That was the, that was a big thing. So uh, really the goal since 2012 was to set up and try to create something where we wouldn't have access to customer funds. We don't hold on to customer funds. We don't have need things like passwords or usernames. We try to make things a great user experience for people and then build levels of security on top of it. So with Jax, it's kind of the evolution of our products. We had our first thing was CryptoKit back in 2013. Uh, then we brought out Rush Wallet, which was our HTML5 wallet. And now Jax is like our flagship product where we've, we wanted to develop a, a wallet that's, that goes across multiple devices, provides us a similar user experience, uh, an, enables pairing, uh, multi-token, uh, really good user experience and interface to really create that, that interface for the blockchain. So in terms of security, uh, we don't hold customer funds ever have access to customer funds. Uh, the, all the keys are stored client-side on the local machines. They're never sent to any servers. 
Uh, the code is visible and auditable, so it can be checked out. Um, if anything goes wrong, uh, or if we ever were to go down, you can use a 12-word backup mnemonic where you could derive all the keys for any of your any of your coins that you've got. Basically, just uh, one 12 words enables you to to get then derive all your keys. So for Ethereum, for Bitcoin, we're adding Dash hopefully next week, uh, and and then we're gonna add more and more tokens in the future. So that's what we're getting set up for. And the fact that we don't want to hold on to customer funds enables us to not uh, have to worry about regulatory issues. Uh, we can expand our products globally and start using other APIs. So we've got Shapeshift, which enables people to easily exchange right inside the wallet. So it's it's uh, we got some hardware pieces coming out later on, but great user experience and just just basically putting the user back into control of their funds and their assets and hopefully uh, with other things added in the future, their contracts, their identity, all these different things, which we want people to be in control of themselves and not have to use other parties. So that's pretty the spe- much the spiel on the security side. Client side, we don't hold anything and we don't want it. Yeah, I, I could I can definitely speak to the um, user experience aspect. I've been using Jack's pretty much since y'all came out with your earliest betas. Um, and it's been one of my favorite in terms of just how easy it is to move between, well, I guess first it was just Bitcoin and I really enjoyed that. And then it was easy to move between your Bitcoin and Ethereum when you started implementing Shapeshift or just sending the coins amongst themselves. And you've done a good job of being very transparent with how you do things inside, like with, with, with the, with both communities. And on top of that, you have, you're able to sync all of your wallets or your wallets amongst all of your devices, which is something I found to be one of the most um, usable uh, parts about using the Jax wallet is that I have the Chrome extension. I have the iOS application. I have it on my Windows, have it on my phone. And wherever I am, I have access to the same funds and they're all secure on my local devices, which is a really nice way of syncing the access to all these things while still maintaining a lot of that security. What, what, what made y'all decide to, to, to do that? Or why were y'all the first to, to do this? So we've had an, op- an ATM running since 2014. Uh, so it's been over well, two and a half years now. And having the, the, the people coming in and out and asking which wallet should you download, it's really it was a, was a, um, a, there was no real good wallet that was across everything. So we'd always have to ask people, what type of device are you using or how do you plan on using it? If it was uh, Android, we'd recommend Mycelium, no friction, easy to, to set up, no adding in a user input, anything that you need like that, no information needed. But on the iPhone experience, it wasn't so great, so we'd recommend something different. And then if they needed a desktop version or they wanted to use something, it didn't have it there. So there was really no wallet that, that could go across all of them. And it wasn't just that, but it was also the different user experiences from device to device. And that's something that always frustrated me too. So the goal was to create a single interface. And the way that we developed our code, uh, we have a single code base, and we're able, it, which is all done in JavaScript and HTML, and we're able to wrap it and then deploy it across all the nine devices and platforms that we have very quickly. And, and no one else has done that because... They've usually got a, a iOS code base and then an Android code base. You've got developers who get out of sync with each other and they're trying to keep it. It's just completely different and they, and they run out of control. Whereas with a single code base and the way that we did it, it's just very easy to deploy new things. It's very easy to have uh, everybody working on that one code base and then you just wrap it and push it across everywhere. It keeps everything in sync. It just gives that similar user experience. We wanted, to, we kind of were aiming towards the point where people could come in and say, what wallet should I download? And it's, now it's just Jack's. No matter if you want a desktop, you want the extensions, you want iOS, Android, tablet versions, it's, it's all the same and you can just, you can download Jack. So that was really the thing. If we wanted to create a wallet that people could use and all we just say, that's the wallet you need, you're not going to need another one and download that one. So that was really how it came about and just been dealing with customers coming in and it's really led us to where we are with the wallet space because we had a chance to really try things out and see which ones work, which doesn't to really create what we think is that, that ultimate interface to the blockchain. So on top of that, since it's, you can pretty much use it on any platform you want, any device you want, and sync all your funds across them, uh, that takes us to the next level of um, the cryptocurrency community in general. Is What tokens do you plan to adopt onto the JAX wallet? Do you plan to uh, bring in Ethereum Classic? Uh, or do you plan to, like, what, like how, do you, how do you vet the tokens you bring into the wallet, and how do you see the cryptocurrency space in the future? Because you implemented the DAO, 
that was a, could have been a great success. Y'all were the first to want to give you kind of a easy to use way to storage your DAO, and then the implementations you planned on having with voting and so on and so forth would have been great for the entire community. But that didn't happen. So now you'll probably have to phase that out at some point. So how do you kind of figure out what you're going to implement and then set a timeline for those types of things? So it's tricky. And even having Ethereum and Bitcoin in one wallet was very tricky. And you need to market to the community different. Um, that's that. That's that. And then you've got the thoughts about ETC and, and do we integrate that. And so far on the short term, we've decided not to. Uh, not because we don't, we, I'm, I'm a very middle person. I don't, I don't have a hard stance on one way or the other with, with the ETC classic and the ETH classic. I kind of like choice. I was hard. I was against the fork, um, but it was done and I'm fine with that. So we don't, we're, we try to get responses from the community and see what our customers want. Uh, we also look at the complexity. So the DAO stuff was a lot of complexity that we had to integrate to do that. We've learned our lesson a bit, I think, with the ETC where we're, we're going to wait back and we're going to see a bit. Uh, there's ways that people can, can get access to their ETC if they want, and we'll instruct them on how they can do that using other services. That's fine. Uh, and it's something that we're going, that we are going to consider doing, and, and we may put ETC in. That's, there's a lot of trading volume. That's one of the things we look at. Uh, since we use Shapeshift, uh, we do have income coming from the, the transfer from the different tokens. So it's the highest, second highest volume right now is ETC. So that's another thing that we've got to consider. We've got to consider our other plan. We, we have a development, uh, uh, plan that says that dash is our next thing we got community feedback and that was by far the one that people really wanted so we got dash coming in and we've also got a lot of back-end infrastructure that we're building to add more coins into our user we have a whole new interface that's coming out in terms of multi-token how it's going to be displayed because right now you've got the three at the top of the screen but we had to develop another system that's going to make it much easier for people to actually sort the coins they want hide the ones they don't want drag and drop them in same with the currencies, we're adding a lot more functionality and features, and that we're going to be showing some sneak peeks of that soon. But we're getting ready where we can just put in all the coins, and maybe we use Shapeshift as test for for the coins. Maybe if it's in Shapeshift, we'll put it in. Uh, you guys, it's a, you guys, adding uh, Monero pretty soon. I heard. Yeah, I think I think we want to add them all. We, we're 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 setting things up so we've we've got uh, we've got Bitcoin in there, so. It's very easy for us to start adding the Bitcoin-like coins. Uh, we have mm-hmm. uh, Ethereum in there and DAO, which is enabling us to get other custom coins and tokens that we can do on Ethereum. So Digix is a plan. Uh, Augur is a plan. We, we're working with Zuko with Zcash. We can do that. We've got Rootstock coming in September. Uh, like, like we're, we're planning to work with everything. We're going to let people make their own choices, and we're going to provide the back, the provide the, the, the structure for them to do that. And... I think that's the best thing, and hopefully at the end of the day, that's it's, it's, it's about bringing communities together, and it's about reaching out to these different communities, letting them know we're going to provide products for them, and we think that we'll get some fans by doing that. Uh, so I'd like to bring everybody everything together and let them choose what they want and let them hide the ones they don't want, and just it's about choice, and we want to offer as much choice to people out there. You know, that's something that I so, find... Go ahead, Gorgello, go ahead. Well, I was wondering, what you just described, is that how you see the future of the crypto space? Yeah, I, I I think there's too much polarization going on, and I think uh, there's there just has to be. I think we're all in, into this for a particular reason. Some maybe for the money, but for me, it's about I want to get this technology out there, and I want to give people choice and, and be in control of their of their assets, being control of their digital life. And I think this technology is going to enable that. And we want to be that interface for the blockchain. We don't want to just be a wallet. We're actually between some new hardware things that we're going to be announcing pretty soon. We've got we've already announced one, the Ice Cube, which is our cold storage, but we got a flagship piece that we're going to be announcing soon and it's all about really taking back control of your life and not needing third parties and even with us we've got some centralized areas that we're focusing on uh, our back-end systems the nodes in order to push transactions is something that's really uh, not robust enough the way it is and we're, we're building out um, more redundancy and we're building up more services so that if things get targeted we're not going to go down for the longest time with CryptoKit, we were always relying on the blockchain.info backend and that was always failing us. So when they were down, we were down. So that's one of the things that we really want to add more, um, more strength to. And we're partnering up actually with some other part, some other people. Like we're, we're working with, uh, the guys from Exodus. Uh, we got some talks with Mycelium coming up to see, Hey, how can we add more infrastructure that we can all use? And so we're not duplicating efforts. You know, why don't maybe you guys can work on one aspect of it and then we can use that and we'll, we'll work on another side and then you guys can use that just in general to bring more nodes to the network bring more infrastructure, more redundancy 
to get rid of the centralized um, centralization that kind of happens in our wallet right now because uh, there's very limited sources of, say, pushing Ether transactions right now. If we rely on etherscan.io, they go down right now, uh, there's trouble. So we've got our own nodes and APIs that we're that we've been developing and are ready to go. And we're going to give those to other people to start using just to help create that ecosystem. So, yeah, that's pretty much how I see it. It's 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 all blockchains and let people choose. And we're not here to tell you which ones to do. If, if there's a, if, if, if people find them useful and they're worth it for us, uh, it, we're, we'll put it in. So that's pretty much our philosophy. That touches nicely on uh, something that I've been, I guess, thinking about. I, I, I've written in the past about kind of cryptocurrency being an avenue for taking personal responsibility back. Uh, you're kind of in control of your own funds and it's your responsibility to keep them secure as opposed to, I guess, traditional finances with credit cards and so on and so forth. And and I read a re- I recently read an article from um, one of the Coinbase people on Medium that discussed, I guess, the tokenization of different dApps being the essentially like the way to monetize different protocols. And a lot of them are going to fail, but they're all going to have their own tokens. And we as a community or we as investors or people who use certain protocols are going to have to figure out a way to juggle all of these different tokens until we decide on which one that wins and keep that one and so on and so forth. So it's kind of like people make the same analogy with stocks where do you keep all your stocks? But with tokens, it's a little more difficult because you have assets that need to be stored very securely and you don't want to use a centralized platform like you would normally do with a stock. Uh, and it feels like what you're trying to build is that centralized platform to maintain a portfolio of a various amount of crypto assets. Is that is that pretty much what, I'm, what, what, what you're getting at? Yeah, we want to, we've got the, the, the system that we've developed. Again, the 12 words gives you the ability to derive any token in the future that you want on, and have different accounts within that master seed. And we want people to store that master seed on our cold storage device that never touches the internet. That's the play. And then you can have contracts that basically enable, uh, we're going to have spending limits. We're going to have multi-sig stuff. We're going to be able to just, uh, have, have, uh, reoccurring payments, all these things we can do now with the system that we've set up with, with accounts and with the master seed and then being able to take some private keys, put them where you are. Like, that's definitely something that, that, that we're working towards. And we're also doing it in a way, again, if something happens to us, you still have those keys and we're using the standards that you can put into another wallet because that's going to be the, we're building in the same way that other people are going to use that same methodology. Uh, even with us, we've got, we, we developed in a way that we brought PGP into the mix. So we added the, the, the curve, the PGP, uh, PGP curve into the open PGPJS library. So now as well, that 12 words, it also can give you your PGP keys. Yeah. And now using services like OneName, uh, you can now send messages by putting the person's name in it as well as Bitcoin. So it's really, we're trying to create that whole platform for identity, messaging, payments, where your contracts are going to be, where your, your, um, your, and I don't want to go too much into one of the products we're going to be announcing soon, but we want to create really that interface for your digital life. And it's not just about a wallet. A wallet is one aspect of it. We want to um, have people become their own nodes. We want people to have all the access and data that they that they want to have and be able to push their own stuff. So that's that's where uh, that's where we're heading. You know, it really is a beautiful thing because I feel like one of the 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 missing components of the Bitcoin space is this UX UI. Everyone knows the ideals of what this cryptocurrency space is trying to do and what we're trying to push, but the usability of a lot of these things is still beyond mass adoption. It takes nerdy people like us to get into it and try and explain to our friends about, you should try it, you should try it. Okay, well, here's all the steps you need to do to get to it. And by that point, we've lost them. And products like these, especially in the direction that they're going, really help us adopt people um, at a much, much faster rate. We can just say, oh, just download the Jack's wallet. I'll save you some money. And then you can just use that wherever you want to spend the cryptocurrency. That's that's exactly it. I mean, I, I like to say that we want to create the browser experience for the internet. We want to do that for the interface for, for blockchain. We want to create the thing that people can say, oh, now I understand it. Now I get it. And everything is, is very developer-focused right now uh, in many of the communities. And the user experience and the design has been always taken a back seat. And I think that's important. So what we design is stuff for the masses. We design stuff that I, that I always say is my dad can use. Uh, he's into the space. He's, in, he's got Ether. He's got Bitcoin. 
but I'm always the one that's helping him out to do that stuff. So with a product like Jack's, he can understand it. You can show him. Uh, and, and, and it's just that, that, that user experience that we hope that, that this can take blockchain to the masses. So that, that really is our, our longer term goal. And that's what we're trying to do right now. And having a single code base and user experience across all devices is that first step. Now we're going to start rapidly deploy the other coins. Internationalization is a big thing for us. Uh, different languages, different currencies, really targeting the app stores that are out there that, that haven't been uh, served very well. Like China doesn't really have any companies that have created some good wallets in China. And that's something that we're going to be expanding out to. India is a great market to go out to as well. So I don't think, uh, I think internationalization is, is a big play for us. And we're just getting the, the, the backbone set up. We're getting the interfaces done and then get more coins in. And then it's really a push to, to get this out to the rest of the world. That's, that's our goal. I, I see, I don't know, it's a potential problem, but I'm sure you've seen it before. But if we were to associate dApps and their tokens like the apps of the app store for Apple. And we've seen this exponential growth of apps when they first started coming on. Do you see a problem with this exponential amount of tokenized, like tokenized dApps and the ability to, to um, adopt them as quickly as possible? Or do you have plans to implement some API that other, uh, like a, a token can then put itself into your application? Yeah, I mean, we want to have it so that any custom tokens you're doing on Ethereum will be utilized easily inside of Jax. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't think, uh, I think in terms of the, the coins that are out there now, the ones we plan on implementing, most of them are going to be ones that have some sort of value, I think is what we're going to try to start with and, and lean towards. But yeah, it's going to be, there's going to be a ton of things out there, especially that people can create their own custom tokens with Ethereum. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be going to be like an app store. You're going to be able to hide the ones you don't want, or perhaps you'll have to add the ones you do want, and you'll have lists that you can actually decide what you want. But I think there's, that's not a big problem. I think it's going to be it'll be pretty easily managed. It just needs to be, be a way that people can access them when they want, but they're not going to get flooded with them. And I think that's something that we'll consider in the future as we add custom tokens and the ability for people to add custom tokens. But it, it's 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 design choices and. I don't see this being a really big problem having too many choices with that. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I wanted to ask you, um, you first caught my attention because you were the lead speaker at the uh, the World Expo, and then I found out that I guess it got postponed. Do you know anything about that? And are you still going to appear and, and give some insight to the people? Yeah, so that was my, my event. Decentral was putting it on. We decided to postpone it. Uh, there was a conflict with two other events. The biggest conflict was with an event in Montreal, a fintech event, uh, that our two partners, main partners, were also sponsoring on the same day. And the issue was that we were doing a blockchain event and we expanded out into fintech. Uh, we, we wanted, we had more space, we, we, we grew it, and we're like, let's, let's also include a track on fintech. The issue was the one in Montreal, which was a fintech event, also started doing blockchain. And it was just, we were asked by our partners if we could, we could move it to a time when they could dedicate their full teams and resources to it. And we thought it was a best, a better idea too. So there was also the Shanghai event, uh, the Ethereum one, which was also going on at the same time. That was another conflict. So we decided to postpone it. We're in negotiations, uh, to, to, to see when we can, um, move it to hopefully the new year. Uh, but we're not sure the exact dates right now. But, uh, yeah, that is something that we postponed and had been working on for months. Uh, but we've got the good backbone established. We have all the speakers. We've got a ton of sponsors. So we're going to, well, the plan is to get that out into the new year and and just reschedule that sometime. Yeah, it's just it's kind of worrisome because I always see people try to uh, separate fintech and crypto. Do you ever think like, let's take Ethereum for example? Do you ever think that's going to become regulated and merged with fintech? Regulated and merged with fintech. It's not something I've really caught about, thought about, or been concerned with. But um, I think this space as a whole is going to. I mean. It's go, it, it will eventually be regulated. Um, I'm hoping where I am in Canada here that they continue the light uh, touch approach that we've seen on the, on these these innovations and ensuring that they're not stifling innovation and growth. Uh, I think that it's up to leaders and it's up to people to educate policymakers on the opportunities that and new sectors that are going to emerge here as the old ways of making money disappear. The the rent seeking models that uh, we've been so used to, I think are going to eventually be replaced uh, by technologies like blockchain that are going to 
ensure that more value is created by human interaction. And that's what's going to need to be led towards. And if you're a country and you understand where the future is going, it's important to embrace these technologies and ensure that you're attracting the talent that you need and the entrepreneurs uh, to your country because you're going to be competing globally. That's where the, the, the that's where the competition is going to be. And it's important for countries to come and rally together and embrace these technologies and start attracting what they need to and start seeing how they can improve their universities and how they can improve their entrepreneurs and startups so that they can come together and then lead things globally. Uh, so I'm confident that uh, there's going there's there's great moves here in Canada. I can't speak really for other, some other countries, but I'm, I'm happy with the approach that that things are going here. And uh, I'm personally trying to assist in that with a lot of education, and a lot of talks around the potential that we have for new sectors and new job growth here and how those things far outweigh the negative aspects of these technologies are going to provide and that we're, we're at the time very similar to the early 90s and there's just so much opportunity that this is going to provide down the road if we, if we capture it and we become leaders, uh, it's going to be beneficial for everyone. So I'm not too concerned about it. I just hope things continue and, and it's not based on fear from a lot of these these regulars. It's more about hope and opportunity and how we capitalize on that. I like I could have said it better myself on what's kind of important. And you you throughout I guess throughout your entire career, you've been relatively agnostic to which blockchain or which cryptocurrency or whichever thing you're you're pushing and you've I feel like you've spent more time on the ideals and the and the possibilities of what this technology can offer. Do you have a personal preference? Uh, well, as a co-founder of Ethereum, that's got a special place in my heart, right? <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I got in through Bitcoin. Bitcoin was, uh, you know, since 2012, when, it, when I got in, I was one of those people, Andreas says usually that, uh, you know, if a person tells you that they, they got it right away, uh, then they're lying. But I can honestly say, I, I, first I read about it, I was, you know, it didn't sleep for a long time and it's, I just, I hadn't done anything since. So this was this was the summer of 2012. Started doing creating the meetups in Toronto here, and and just I I've been in it full time since. And then in 2013 in November, when Vitalik showed me the white paper, I'm like, okay, there's more than Bitcoin. And I I'm a big Bitcoin fan. I have holdings in both, and uh, I don't do many of the other ones, but not because I don't believe in them. I thought there's some really interesting stuff coming out that I'm very excited about, whether it be Zcash or what's going on with rootstock there's I, i'm just open to the technology and it's so experimental right now that i think it's it's uh it's prudent to for everybody to come together and collaborate and build out this this infrastructure and ecosystems if you really believe in it and that's what i am trying to do so i i am i think people need to have choice and i think they need to make their own decisions on what they want to do so i'm not here to say there's one wrong or one right um i you know ethereum again it's just going through that whole thing and and that that's very special to me but i'm excited about new things coming out as well and uh yeah i'm i'm, I'm agnostic and that's probably the way that i'm going to stay i'm just i'm pro technology and i'm pro blockchain yeah, it's really hard to i guess people talk about what will happen in the future or where things will be even a year from now and i cringe at the thought of trying to picture the landscape and economy that will be the cryptocurrency space even six months from now, because things change so fast. We're all still so young, and there's so much that can possibly happen and change in that time frame that it, you just kind of have to go along for the ride and really dig into the people who are creating the things, and not so much the like the the coin itself. Mm-hmm. So we have. Uh, yeah, I, go ahead. yeah, I, 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 I'd wish to see a lot less polarization. I'd wish to see a lot more. Um, meaningful discussion more understanding and which is just difficult because everybody has their different motives everybody has their different things everybody when money's involved it's, it's very complicated i just uh um you know i i i, I just wish that there was there was uh, just rallying around the technology is, is the thing that i'd like to see more of and i'm, and I'm hoping that's that's what it's going to prevail so all right, we got one more question for you. Uh, wrap this interview up a little bit. It should be a short one, but maybe a little difficult. Uh, in ten words or less, can you describe Ethereum? It's a platform for building decentralized applications. That's probably as basic as as I can get with that. Um, it, it it's it's smart contracts added to blockchain. 
providing much more flexibility. All right. Nailed it. <laughs> All right, Anthony, cool. we hey, appreciate so you. Anthony, go ahead. Go ahead. Whenever, whenever there's an updated, um, I guess, date and time of the FinTech and Blockchain World Expo, we will let all of our audience know. And um, hopefully, you know, people aren't refunding tickets and they're still excited. And uh, we will continue to plug that event for you. Thanks a lot. And thanks for having me on, guys. I'd love to do it sometime again. Yeah, we're a big fan of your of your products. Keep up the good work. We'll keep using them and pushing out, telling people to, to download Jax. It's, it's really, really a great wallet and easy to use. Thanks a lot. Yeah, we tell people on Twitter all the time, use Jax. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. And that was the interview with Anthony DiOrio, Jax, CEO and founder of Jax and Decentral, co-founded Ethereum 2013. Shout out to when Cello and I got into Bitcoin and crypto 2013. He was founding Ethereum. So maybe we're late to the game, but it doesn't matter. We're still at the ball game. Anyways, going on a tangent. Uh, yeah, it was a good interview. What did you guys think about that one? You guys performed it. I was actually looking forward to having that interview for quite a while. We had been, I had been using Jax personally because uh, I wanted a good kind of cross-platform um, wallet with Bitcoin and Ethereum. And they ended up making the, I guess, best implementation of what I was looking for. Uh, so I started using them and they kept making better and better developments. They were around for when the DAO was creating developments and they were, you know, implementing things like that to make it easier. So I've, I've followed them for a while and I've always liked the, the products they made. So they just continue to keep making good products. So it was, it was um, nice. To, it was nice to get a hold of them finally. Also for those, uh, when the, coming back from the interview, we also have Alex Sandoval from uh, Cointelegraph. He is hey. he's the executive business director of Cointelegraph. Is that correct? No, I'm not an executive. I'm uh, more like uh-huh. kind of business development guy. Okay. So uh, my role. You're our executive. <laughs> In our hearts. My role is to like come up with different stuff to develop a project like uh, like this podcast. And, uh, you know, any new stuff, I usually. It's usually me who can coming up with the ideas. Wait, oh, so, so the, the, your idea. ideas have created the partnership that we now have with uh, with Coin Telegraph. Yeah, so exactly. We're quite thankful so, for your position. <laughs> well, I'm quite thankful to you, to because you guys agreed and because we're doing it right now. Nice. What so was the that, origin? Go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. I was just about to say that. Like, how did that come about? Were you guys looking for like a podcast, and then you like search different podcasts that would kind of fit the mold? Uh, yeah, we. Uh, well, initially, it was the idea to create our own podcast, but uh, I realized it's uh, not that easy as it sounds. Uh, like, I thought. Okay, just you know, get a guy who can talk uh, into a microphone, invite ho- guests, and like that's it. <laughs> but uh, then I realized it's kind of hard to find a guy who agrees to do that, and uh, you know, to manage the whole process. And I realized it's uh, it it would be easier to find somebody who already doing it. So I found you guys. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's 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 kind of funny. I was talking to one of my friends about um, how we got started and kind of the development of like just just the manage managerial processes behind starting and maintaining and and figuring out the guests and all that type of stuff. And if you even just look at the technology we use in terms of dealing with organization and the development of the tools we use to do that, you we've come a long way and learned a lot of like. I don't know, scheduling and organizational skills just mm-hmm. just from the podcast itself. I mean, we started out as just a Facebook group between the three of us where we just <laughs> yeah. we were talking anyway about random things. And then we're like, hey, let's talk to this guy. And then one of us by chance would reach out or all three of us would reach out at the same time because we had no, zero organizational skills. And it became a contest. Like if he answers my email, I got him. That guess is on me. 
and yeah. no other uh, podcast is going to have as many video game references as ours. Uh-huh. So <laughs> clearly, there's a winner. Now, every podcast has growing pains. I don't care like who you are, how popular you are. When you first start out, you got to find your footing. So I, mm-hmm. I like to feel like we're kind of established. We're getting there. I'm not going to be happy till I'm on uh, what's that guy's show on CNN? Like uh, Wolf Blitzer. Okay, we're going to change that topic because you guys don't watch <laughs> anyway, CNN so like, at I guess all. What I, what I found <laughs> kind of funny from this partnership with Cointelegraph is one of our like initial goals in starting the podcast was to get illustrated from the Cointelegraph people. And now we're almost fulfilling that same goal if other people have them every time we give uh, an interview to somebody because we're, we're, because of this partnership. We're like, we've almost gone above and beyond our initial goals of starting the podcast and not only becoming <laughs> illustrated, but illustrating others. Now, <laughs> now we can yeah, move back. Makes the selection process of guests a little bit more thorough because we're like, okay, if someone comes on our show, now they're going to be uh, cartoonized. They're going to be on Cointelegraph. They're going to be on our website. So maybe we shouldn't just pick whoever. Now we need to be like more selective. So I think that's good for the show as well. Yeah. Well, it's. Uh, I think this partnership is uh, good for both both of us because now you like as you become bigger and Cointelegraph became bigger because we like. Now we're together. We're like, there's now three more of us. And uh, hell, now there's 30 more people with you. <laughs> mm, I didn't <laughs> you, think about it like that. Can you take that. a bit of time to tell us uh, like how Cointelegraph got started and, and kind of the, the history behind it for those that don't know? Yeah, uh, well, uh, I'm not from the start from the Cointelegraph. Uh, I, got, I started working there like maybe two years, less than two years, and uh, Cointelegraph got started in uh, 2013, I, I think, yeah. Uh, it was uh, just a couple of, couple of people, uh, one guy named Dime, he's, uh, I think he's Russian, and uh, <laughs> some, uh, some other guy... Uh, named Alan and Andrew Marshall. They uh, just Alan was from United States and uh, Andrew Marshall. I think actually he's the most mysterious person I know because I I work in Korean <laughs> Telegraph a lot and I still don't know where he's from and I'm not sure if Andrew Marshall is his real name because well, <laughs> you realize that Bitcoin have all sorts of different people who like like their anonymous status so yeah uh, they started as just you know a news media and uh, like blog and uh, initially it evolved into this uh, from 2014 14 uh, Cointelegraph started to like really develop well they they started new franchises like there's lots of uh, Cointelegraph on which is not in English and like in Portuguese, in uh, Japanese, in German, I think. So there's many versions of Cointelegraph. And yeah, uh, eventually it uh, grew from three people to like 30 already. And uh, now we have journalists from like United States, Europe, India, China. Uh, not sure about Japan. So... Everywhere. That's actually something that I really liked about the podcast is how decentralized the people are that make it. Uh, you really are pulling from all across the world and getting a lot of different views and and um, I guess world world lenses of all of the different people that not only make the back end of Coin Telegraph but also the journalists that that write the articles. And I think that's. A really important thing to, to not be so centralized in in the, in the scope of what you're looking at in the cryptocurrency space, and you guys are definitely showing that. Just even with all of the franchises you use, as well as the people who run it, uh, like you know, run the website and all the business and everything. There's no real, I guess, 
centralization. I, I, I use that word too much, but that if, if, if you know what I mean, I feel like that's the case in Toyn Colograph as opposed to other media sources. Yeah, well, I guess uh, it's the future we live now. Um, with internet, there is no need to like old-fashioned companies like which have office. All people come like work nine to five there, and uh, right now, hell, oh, well, we have an office, but it's just you know a space where I can meet other people because sometimes I get bored talking only on Skype, and I want <laughs> to see real people. <laughs> 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 yeah, and uh, but sometimes this can be a problem because, like, right now it's what nine a.m. Uh, so sorry for waking up you guys so early. And uh, right now, where I'm, where I'm at, it's like how much? It's like uh, almost almost evening. So yeah, it can, the, the it time can zones be- are uh, definitely a workaround when it comes to do and. This biz, especially all the different personalities we interview from all over the world, it's always a time zone. Like, what? How? What time is it there? It's three o'clock in the morning. Okay, well, I mean, it's just a timing issue. But it's just we even logistics. have it within ourselves. It's just because I'm I'm in Brazil, there in Texas. D is now traveling quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. with his new job. So there, time zone coordination is something that I think just you have to get used to with modern business in general, just because it's so easy to reach out and talk to anyone in the world who's doing something cool. And if you're running a podcast, that's essentially all you're doing. So, yeah. 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 We interviewed uh, Imogen Heap at like three 30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And we all that sounded was... like Barry white. Cause we had just woken up. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, Hey Imogen, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> never, never, never going to give you up. Uh, I'm never going to stop. Uh. <laughs> That's all of us in the morning. <laughs> uh, it was, so for those, it was I guess, that don't haven't quite figured out about our partnership, it's it's we're doing the same thing. We're providing the same content. It's just we're pushing our our SoundCloud and YouTube over to the Coin Telegraph SoundCloud and YouTube and becoming essentially their I guess their official audio source of of news. And for each episode, they're also writing a small piece. Um, around it and carving out a section of their website for for our podcast. So it's very easy to get to. You get somewhat of a, a better description of each episode and, uh, and and so on and so forth. And then they also provide quite a bit on our, on their side with you know guests, uh, people who call into them maybe wanting to be interviewed. They can come straight to us, and so we can get really good quality guests from them pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, it's, it's expanded our network quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, our capability, our capacities, it's gone up. I was also promising the partnership DJ lessons uh, from someone on Cointelegraph's team, DJ Koala. I have a giant That's- koala bear helmet, just like DJ Dead Mouse, Dead Mouse Five. And uh, you so about? you guys can look forward to. I'm just joking around, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, what the hell are you talking about? Did you think I was serious for half a second? DJ yeah. Koala. Yeah, I didn't know what you were talking about. I, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. That, that wasn't in the contract. What is he talking about? He's going off the record. <laughs> no, was a, that was a joke, man. But look out for DJ Koala, everyone. Um, Yeah, it's, it's a great partnership. Throw tomatoes uh, at this guy. That's No, that's not a waka waka moment. <laughs> that was a solid yeah. joke. Well, just imagine Deadmau 5's helmet, right? But as a koala bear. I just like the idea of DJ Koala. Maybe Kern Telegraph can start like its own <laughs> music show. <laughs> DJ Koala, Allah, Allah. Anyways. Uh, it could be our surrounding music, and we can link back to that. Randy. <laughs> so... By the way, listeners, we really do hope you enjoyed that ep- that uh, interview with Jax and and use Jax because I feel like I've actually been using Jax since they were actually EtherealWallet.com. That was like their beta for Jax, and it went so well. In fact, I still have an Ethereum wallet on EtherealWallet.com. I thought it was amazing that uh, the actual web browser 
is like the private key or so you have to or is the web address so you have to like copy the url and always have access to that client side yeah so which is easy to do nowadays you can just bookmark it save your bookmark and as long as you remember your password you had access to your wallet no matter where you were and i really like that because there wasn't you no know, there wasn't any like desktop hang up or oh, i gotta get on wi-fi and do all see that's one of the things about coinbase i think that can can be annoying is if you don't have the app then you have to go on the online you have to log in two-factor authentication sometimes it takes a while it's not like i have first world problems i'm just glad yeah. that alex like where do you keep your keys um shouldn't keep- we not say that no, nah, you can use what, what what wallet do you use? I think it's a better question. It gives you <laughs> what it actually explains what you're doing. Well, and you ask uh, the question, where do you keep your keys? I have a cold wallet, so it's like on USB drive. And for uh, online, I have this this new free wallet. If you don't know, like it's it has a an Ethereum wallet, so I use it. What's it called? I'm free not, wallet. I'm, yeah, free wallet. I think free wallet, freewallet.org. I'm gonna look at that. Hmm. I don't know that one. There's so many wallets nowadays. Options on options on options. That's what you want, though. It's like a wallet buffet. I think I'm gonna start asking that question to all our guests. Where do you keep your keys? It's a good question. That's what you're doing. It's it's, it's kind of the idea of uh, of it's instead of like what wallet do you use. Where do you keep your keys is an idea of like, it's not necessarily pinning you um, down to a certain cryptocurrency. It's not asking whether it's client side or hot wallet or cold wallet. It's how do you store your, your, your data, which is ultimately yeah. like the question that people need to ask themselves when figuring out how to deal with cryptocurrency is, is how do you, how do you secure the information you're trying to secure? Where do you, where do you keep your keys? And if they don't yeah. know, Maybe we should start building that trend. Maybe we should usher it in. Start asking questions to our guests like, uh, how many passwords do you have? How many iterations of your password do you have? Like stuff like that. Like try and build a culture of how to manage your digital existence as everything becomes more digital and push that out. I like it. I like the way, I like the cut of your jib, core. I like this, this website's, this wallet's website, free wallet. It's pretty. Yeah, they have a like, very nice mobile app. And this is mainly the main reason why I use it. It's like just pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, that's, that's a, big, it's a big part of this kind of what's going on right now. I think now that engineers have created really good things, they're, they're thirsty for UX and UI designers to come in and actually – make it pretty so that it's really easy to use. It's intuitive. People understand it. Because if you don't, if you have a great technology but no one uses it, then you don't have anything. Yeah, I, I guess uh, you're right because uh, like, I think this is was the main problem with Bitcoin because you know it's a great technology. We all use it. But uh, when you try to market it to other people, they like, it's kind of hard to use to like... Uh, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, and for like people who are not into IT, who are not into computers, it's like very hard for them to uh, understand that uh, you can store your money on a USB drive and you have to download a blockchain to your computer. What's blockchain? I don't know. And, uh, you know, it's something very easy to use. It uh, can be much more popular. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, we're going to wrap it up. You guys want to wrap uh, it up? Any closing thoughts on this partnership? Yeah, this is our grand opening, if you want to call it. People usually start businesses and so on and so forth and operate for a little while, which is what we've been doing, and never really say anything. And so I think this is a good opportunity to say, you know, uh, we now have a partnership with Cointelegraph. This is something that we're really looking forward to continuing doing, and and I think it's going to help both of us grow quite a bit. So, uh, like publicly thanking Alex and Cointelegraph for, for, mm-hmm. um, for helping us get through this and, and, and 
joining and I want, us on this. And I want to publicly thank you for doing it with us. Because All right. So go to Cointelegraph.com. You'll see podcasts right on the front page. That'll take us straight to our page and all the interviews that we've done since, uh, mm-hmm. since the partnership. And that will start to grow more and more. So we it's really easy to get to. And them. while you're at it, read all the, all the great articles that they have from all the different journalists they have across the world. Yeah. We should definitely follow some time with Meltem Demirors. Did I say that right? Demirors? Mel- Meltem yeah. Demirors? I still don't know about her. Maybe Apparently she won't come on because big, she can't say her name. I think that we should get it wrong on purpose until she has to come on angrily and correct us. <laughs> uh, anyways, so <laughs> let's plug some stuff. Of course, you've all, you've just heard all of that. Thecointelegraph.com. Amazing website. If you're awesome, you can come on our show and we'll turn they'll turn you into or we'll turn you into a cartoon. And you'll and then you can show it to your friends. Um what do we have? Coinbase. We're not sponsored by Coinbase. What the hell? I gotta get this right. stuff right. Facebook, Twitter, right, Facebook. Jello, do you, need to, you need to wake up, man. <laughs> I'm up. I'm up. Facebook, okay. the Bitcoin Podcast. Search for it. You'll find us. Twitter at the BTC Podcast. Cello runs the podcast. He does a good job, or the Twitter. He does a good job of it. You'll like that. Um, what else do we do, guys? We have a blog on Medium. The Bitcoin Podcast blog. We're really original with our names, by the way. Super original. Uh, our affiliation program with Purse.io. If you're shopping on Amazon, you might as well stop doing that and go to Purse.io and shop on Amazon through Purse.io. Get major discounts. And then we get a little kickback. So if you go to the website, click on the Purse.io sticker and start shopping after you create your account. We would appreciate that. Alex, was there anything that you'd like to plug while you're here? I don't know. I don't hey, give there's... us a sign-off. Wait, I have a couple shout-outs that I would like to... Do you guys have any shout-outs? Or... No. Okay, no. well, shout-out to uh, Zoe Saldana and shout-out to Carrie Hilson. Thank you for everything. I really shout hope that one account. day that, that, com- that becomes a thing and you meet these people because you're shouting them out. I really hope that one day that, that happens. Uh, me too. Uh, I, I would love it. <laughs> I very much would. Well, Alex, you want to say play the outro? Uh, play the outro. Nailed it. Nice. <laughs>